Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Film Nerds Hour. Kicking off this month of uh, drawing a blank, March. <laughs> <laughs> this month of drawing a blank, March. It... <laughs> we we are doing uh, one of your picks. You're welcome, America and Scotland and Ireland and Greece and wherever the frick you're watching. We're talking about kaiju movies this month. Yes, which... Uh... If for those of you who aren't familiar with it, that is uh, the monster genre of movies, specifically that originated in Japan with Godzilla, yes, yes, where that yes. first became. Yes, it, 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 kaiju is actually a term which I believe translates to strange beast in Japanese. Don't quote me on that. I am only but a weeb. I could be incorrect. But yeah, we're going to be talking about those uh, this for the month. next hour. Uh, for the next month. We, we have a pick that we'll be talking about, but we're talking about these throughout the month of March and April as well. Yeah, so... And, and keep a lookout during March and April for our bonus episodes, because the two of us, we have birthdays. So we're going to do birthday bonus episodes. Which will be very fun to do, because obviously birthday episodes. Yeah, yeah. But for the next hour, your host, shooting at the... Ah, man, I really am screwing up. And you're the editor, so you're the only person who can be blamed if this still sounds bad. Well. I'm Nathaniel Shoemaker. And I'm Noah Sweeto, and we will be your hosts for the next hour, so. Yeah, hour plus, probably. Because we love the movie that we're going to talk about. The first movie for this month is Pacific Rim, directed by Guillermo del Toro. Which, uh, for those of you who don't know him... I feel very bad for you. Yeah, yeah, you suck. You, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you always know when you hear Guillermo del Toro that it's going to be good. Yeah. The man, well, well you, yeah, you know it's going to be good. He does a lot of gothic and horror stuff. You know it's going to be interesting. It's, it's different. No, um, yeah, which he's coming up with a new movie called Nightmare Alley, which will be based off... Oh, he is. I never heard of this. Yeah, it's going to be based off... Uh, R.L. Stein's Goosebumps series, and I believe oh. they cast as opposed to the Goosebumps movie. Um, you remember that chestnut? <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be, or no, maybe it's not. Nightmare Alley. Well, anyway. Yeah, but Pacific. Yeah, it sounds good. Cool. But yeah, Pacific Rim. This was actually surprising how accurate it was to kind of the culture of the yeah. kaiju movies. It was awesome. It, people like dissed it when it came out. They're like, oh, it's just grown up Power Rangers. To which I respond, I don't hear a bad part in that. <laughs> yeah, not to mention, too, when you put it in that kind of element, you have to also think about that if you're going to do that, which evidently, I'm sorry, when I told you about this, it came out in 2013, apparently. Yeah, wow, it's almost a decade not, old. Yeah, not 2010 like I thought. No, it's okay. You were just incorrect. We all do it at some point. But uh, when you think of people insulting this movie, it also kind of brings you kind of to Avatar, which we know my two opinions on Avatar, which are both <laughs> good and bad. Yeah. I think the amazing world of Avatar, like the special effects for Avatar are amazing, which one of the... <clears throat> biggest notes of pacific room is the animation team kudos to them absolutely amazing there is no question whatsoever how amazing this movie is when it comes to its special effects mm-hmm. if you have seen marvel's avengers this is like like that team's work it is literally it's not that team specifically but it's like no, that team's work but it's like that team's work it's very <clears throat> 
very realistic looking. It it's so beautiful that it's really hard to believe too because the story was very well written. That it only. Oh, I'm glad. No, it's already it only, boring. Yeah. <laughs> it already it only got uh 411 million U.S. dollars at the box office. That is absurd. With a budget of one. Uh, 180 million. So wow. 180 million. Um. So yeah, that was that's kind of disappointing because this movie deserves way more recognition. Hence why we're doing it yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. Um. It's got an amazing cast. Yes. Which before we really dive into the story, uh. Um, I wanted to list off a couple of the cast members, and then just if that's okay with you, talk about some of the special effects too yeah because we got we, we got our lead charlie hunneman as raleigh beckett who you you probably know from sons of anarchy his very successful fx show which i'm about uh at the time that we're doing this i'm about to get into that in the sopranos Ooh, you're gonna be both enthused and depressed for a while have fun with that uh <laughs> i have been told that sons of anarchy is take your time take your time it's not a rush. It's not a race. It's a very good show. <laughs> it's a great it's show. It's like at the Sopranos for a New Age and also very... It's dark. You know, it's about biker gangs. Like, it's not... And we're not talking like the, you know, the biker gangs that have kind of been coming out now. Like, you know, just, you know, it's, it's a couple of guys riding bikes around. No, these are straight up like drug dealing, like... It's like... Gun uh, peddling, like... The Lost and the Damned in GTA. Exactly. Exactly. We got him. Um, Charlie Day, we also got as Dr. Newton. We got uh, Newt. Bern Gorman as Gottlieb. We got Idris Elba as Stacker Pentecost. Which is he's great. always fun. Yeah. He's, he's a great actor. He's the marshal, like the head head guy. You know? And uh, Ron Perlman as Hannibal. Hannibal Chow. Which I love when we get to his part, the explanation of his name. Which Hannibal Chow just feels too close to hannibal Lecter. how'd you how'd you get the name hannibal chow i named it after my first favorite historical figure and my second favorite restaurant in brooklyn <laughs> but also we we can't gloss over even though she's not as well known as these other gentlemen rinko kick kikuchi i hope i'm saying that right she plays mako mori the main female lead she does a fantastic Which, job out outstanding job yeah. she's great she's fantastic yeah, and she's been in a couple of things like 47 ronin uh kamiko that is an uh international film yeah we're gonna try and refer to as foreign films that we do do on these as international films because they do deserve the recognition as being more than just a film from another country because they are still films and a lot of them are good as you know that we yeah. saw and, and and saying foreman just foreign just sounds like you know yeah yeah but definitely some good international films out there for her which as you know is the whole reason this podcast started uh nathaniel invited me to uh it was a marathon amc uh best picture showcase marathon yeah because amc every year probably won't do it this year obviously but uh for reasons but um around february because the oscars happens they pick all the movies that are up for best picture and they just marathon them in two days and like like back-to-back days and i'm like this is awesome 
I'll go with my mom day one. Sorry. And then I'll invite, I, I was literally like, this Noah dude seems cool. I'll, I'll, I'll see if he wants to come. And it went from, oh, I don't know you that well. This, this could be a fun day to, well, I guess we're friends now and business partners. All right. Four movies later. <laughs> yeah. Four epic movies later. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Can you name all four? Go ahead. Let's see. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That was the first. Parasite. Mm-hmm. 1917 and Jojo Rabbit. Can you name the order? Uh, wasn't it Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No. You think that's the first one because we missed the beginning of... Jojo Rabbit? Yeah, yeah. Jojo Rabbit, then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, then Parasite, then uh, 1917. Yeah, bravo, bravo. The other three movies I watched with my mother was Ford v. Ferrari, Joker, and Little Women, which... Whoever made the executive decision to put Little Women and Joker on the same marathon day, you're my hero. <laughs> you really needed that relief. Yeah. Well, it's like the heaviest movie and the most... Li- oh. Lighthearted film. Yeah. Well, it's not lighthearted. It made me cry, but it's still like it's about like... You go from social political commentary using comic book characters to frontiers women <laughs> good transition without going it's a little little blunt but okay but yeah pacific rim um where can they watch it if because we're going to spoil it in a second here the whole film where can they watch it well right now which i'm pretty sure it's not free at the time of this recording which i would be correct right now for a premium subscription you can get on hulu or sling tv or rent it for 3.99 from youtube google play uh, Vodou, Amazon, or iTunes for five ninety nine. You'd be best going on the other ones because they're cheaper, but also very worth the money. Also, right now you can see it on TBS and TNT for free with cable TV. Yeah. So you got some options as of the time of recording this video. Yeah, which I don't think this is really going to be one of those movies considering it is from War- Warner Bros. So, I mean, unless it were to come out on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Um, it is quite the movie and it is worth the money. Yeah. <laughs> I actually got it on uh, a dollar when oh, uh, I actually got this movie for a dollar on DVD when it came at Pawn America just because it was one of the things I was looking for Godzilla movies back when DVDs at Pawn America were a thing before they tried to make them extinct and call them obsolete, which is absolutely yes. Was that the DVD you gifted me with? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, because I upgraded to Blu-ray. Oh, someone likes to be fancy. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I well, own mostly Blu-ray. As you can see, if you guys have seen this movie, it is... Watch it on a disc if you can. Yeah. Because then you don't have to worry about the buffering and you will get the unwavering, uninterrupted connection of full HD. Mm-hmm. Um, this and its sequel, Pacific Room Uprising, which came out in 2018... Which we will talk about next week. Yeah. Um, are both very, 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 very beautiful in graphics. Yes, they look great. We'll we'll discuss plot of the second one. We will have words. Spoiler alert, Pacific Rim is better. Yeah. Oh, shockingly, the first one is better than the second one. But then again, it also was directed by its creator. Yeah, and you get the, you get the sense that his was like a love letter, you know? Oh, I think that's what it really is, because, uh, yes, again, Del Toro really, really nailed on the head like, with the culture, the respecting of what these movies were, 
Well, it's like it's also crazy to think about because think of Del Toro's filmography. You know, Shape of Water and like Crimson Peak and uh, Pan's Labyrinth, like all these like gothic horror movies. But then he also did both Hellboys. He did both Hellboys. But then Pacific Blade Rim too. Yeah, Pacific Rim is just like that's crazy. Like out of the realm of horror, like it's still scary. And when people die, man, do they die? But it's like you know. I would I would guys this more under action than horror. No, I would never consider this horror even the slightest. I don't think that's really. I feel like that's the same with Hellboy as well. Like it's more action than horror, but it can still be quantified as horror. You can't. You can have an action movie that has horror elements. That does not mean it's horror. Yeah, I'm just saying because Del Toro is mostly known for horror. Like I just watched his Don't Be Afraid of the Dark movie. Did you ever see that? Yeah, I have it. I wasn't the most thrilled with it but i think it's one of those things that i need to go back and kind of give a second it i enjoyed it it's nice it's just there's some bits in it where i'm like mm, you know and that's that's not a bad thing because it was clearly meant to make me react like that yeah i, th- I think it just is for me it really is one of those things that i need to go back and see it again before mm. i can really judge it for sure because you it, saw it as a younger man well, I saw it like a year or so ago, but it wasn't what I was expecting it okay. to be. I expected it to be much different for the way that the trailer had had played it out. Sure. Well, so. that's the thing, man. Like, trailers, you know, depending on what company they go with <clears throat> for mixing that kind of stuff, they can either, like, spoil the entire movie or, like, you know, just not show you something that it actually is. Yeah. Which is always disappointing, but hopefully, you know, I like I I always like to watch movies twice, unless mm-hmm. there are some movies obviously out there that I will not watch twice. Yeah. Um, because there needs to be something at least somewhat appealing. Uh, about it, even if it means like something like you know, <clears throat> even if it's something from a previous series that's been taken over by a new company or produced by a different director or stuff like that. Yeah. There's still. You know, it's different. Mm, But there's still stuff that you have to be able to pull out of it to really enjoy it and rewatch it. Exactly. Exactly. So. So, um, yeah, if you guys want to watch Pacific Rim right now, because we both highly recommend. Great movie. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a watch. So go check it out now and then come back because it really is one of those movies that you can't describe, especially with the visuals. It's amazing. Uh, And it's it's like uh, if your eyes did a bunch of coke. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. High Life is a bunch of coke, but we'll talk no, about that eyes, at a point. Your eyes, it's like your eyes did coke because it is so... It's just... The the effects are so... I'm watching you try to not make it, talk in a way that is complimenting the drug cocaine. Well, it's, and it's very it's entertaining. That I'm trying to figure out, too, just how to... It's like only your eyes were on coke, folks. Apparently, um, it, I would view it it's as a great movie. It, yeah, it, it, it visually the, is the stunning. visually is so beautiful, and all the all the action scenes are at night. And I'm assuming because it wasn't given as much of a budget as the sequel was, because usually first movies aren't given as much of a budget as sequels. That's very common. No, which is kind of nice though, because it really makes them work with what they got. Yeah, exactly. But uh, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and spoil Pacific Rim. So, 
Either watch the movie and then come back, or just hang out if you don't care. We, we're fine with either. <laughs> just don't be mad at us because we spoiled it, because we're giving our warning here. Yep. So, to start this movie, I'll let you kind of lead this one. So, <clears throat> oh, you're going to let me lead because I'm more nerdy about kaiju stuff? Yeah. Cool. At least you admit it. All right. So, <laughs> we start off. <clears throat> Years and years ago... And based on the clips they show us, it looks like Obama presidency times, because you see him in one of the flash shots of the oh, new yeah, stuff. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you see him giving a speech for two milliseconds. But um, a rift opens, like a portal between dimensions in the Pacific Ocean, and a monster comes out. This is what is known as a kaiju. Um, and it walked, apparently, through five cities, destroying it, destroying them, and then... It, like, got taken down by missiles, planes, and tanks. And then, you know, they were like, oh, we mourned our dead, we memorialized it, and we moved on. And then six months later, it happened again. And then it happened again, and then it happened again, and they realized it wasn't going to stop. So what happened was, and I like how, I like how only in the context of an alien invasion we can do this, but we united as a world and just pooled our resources and we made the Jaeger program, which Jaeger is, uh, I believe that is a, is that a Russian term or a German term? They say in the beginning. I think that's Russian. Okay, it means hunter, essentially. And so the Jaeger program is they make robots to fight the monsters, because sure. Uh, <laughs> but they end up like, when they have the person linked to it, they realize that it's too much strain for one brain handle so they figured out how to do a what's called a neural handshake where two brains meld in a sense and they both take up you know the strain of it and that works no it is german oh it is german i thought okay yeah thank you for the research jaeger is german for hunter because i thought of jaegermeister and i was like wait a minute that's german yeah there you go yeah, I was thinking it was German as well, but I just don't know. I know it was one of those. But, uh, <laughs> one of those kind of white people. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so, and then it got to a point where, like, winning, like, they, they started winning a lot. And, like, to the point where it became part of our culture, which is interesting to see. Because, like, there's action figures of kaijus, and there's, like, sneakers with designs, and there's, like talk shows and it's like what the like this is a thing that is an issue for everybody and kills people and uh, according to the second one improv improv improvishes like improvish you know what i mean decimates the economy of any like country that it happens in so it kind of feels weird that we're like the better off countries are kind of glamorizing it yep which is something i definitely made a comment on because uh, when it comes down to that, that's something that we do in. We do that uh, with a lot of life. stuff as humans, <laughs> and that that's bad because yeah. there's a lot of things that yes, it can be. Um, you can have with that that mm -hmm. you can do that with, but it's a way to distract people as well and profit off of people's disasters and death. Right, it's it's, and great. it's not okay. Yeah, and the pilots turned like they they describe them that the pilots turned into like rock stars, quote unquote. To which I'm like. Um, they're, no. they're soldiers. Maybe they should. I don't know. Like, it's a weird. Like, I get the idea of, like, oh, let's. It saved the city. Let's parade it through the street and interview the pilots. But it's also, like, 
They're soldiers. I don't know. It's a weird. It's a weird mist and dis- disconnect. I guess. Yeah. I don't know, but so it cuts to the main guy, Charlie, and his brother Yancey. They're, I think they're off the coast of Alaska, something like that, some Arctic area, but they get woken up at three in the morning because there's a, kaiju. Alert. Um, so they both go in their uh their their Jaeger, uh Gypsy Danger, which first of all, great name. Second of all, awesome looking robot. <laughs> yeah. I the visual effects and design for both Yeah, the like robots how it works. Like and the kaiju. Yeah, and the science behind it was absolutely incredible because they took the time to go in depth too with a lot of the science talk and yeah you know behind the scenes working which is nice because mm-hmm. a lot of the time you get these kinds of sci-fi movies they don't really explain they're just no. like and here oh, it is. okay yeah. so we did this part and now all of a sudden it's here and it's like okay that can we swing by that again yeah yeah okay. once more and this time with feeling no but so what end up when's it, what ends up happening is they go into the ocean. There's a ship liner, and they make the decision to ignore their orders, which was to protect the coastal city, and go and get this ship that's got like fourteen people on it. So in doing that, they like, you know, they're kind of at a disadvantage fighting the monster because they're using one hand to hold the ship, and uh, they think they win, but they don't, and. Uh, his brother dies, Yancey. Which, you know, I think was one of the kind of the best things that they did because the whole point that they are able to do it is because they're connected as twins, right? Yeah, so he, well, they're not twins. He's his older brother. But they're our brothers. Right. But it's a thing like, because they also express later on because you see his brother get pulled out of the Jaeger while their brains are still connected. And he's like, yeah, that messed with me. Like, I was literally in his head when he died. <laughs> yeah, and the whole fact is that you have a sense of physical pain as well. Yeah. Like, when his arm... When they're fighting and one of the arms comes off, like, he literally holds his arm as though it's pain. Yeah, which... One of my questions, too, which I know they don't really explain. It doesn't exactly take away, but it is one question that I would have liked an answer to. It, yeah, it's something you would like to know. How how do these people recover so quickly for it? If it's Is it more like an adrenaline shock or, you know? Yeah. Because that's one of the things that I have a hard time. Well, I feel like. I feel like it's a thing because their brains are connected to the robot, right? They're controlling the robot, the, the Jaeger. So yeah. when the Jaeger gets injured, their brain is sending signals to their body that that part of their body is injured. When in actuality, they aren't. Um, in all honesty, they probably, like, after fighting kaijus, take, like, a few months off and just have some therapy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just I would, to recover would... from the mental scarring of imagining your arm getting torn off, you know? Yeah, I'd have to think that would be it because it's just the amount of you know even with just having your brain telling you that it's happening Mm -hmm. there is still the thing of that if you believe something's real enough it can affect your body physically yeah exactly so that's kind of what it's it's like how if you blindfold someone and like this is this is i'll explain how i know about this but it's like 
this is like a common torture psychological method thing that like i think mob bosses have done or something like that but it's like you how it works is you blindfold someone and you turn on an acetylene torch and you put it towards like some steak i think and then you like you tell them what like a torch at that high of temperature would do to their body how would it how it would feel and essentially like because they wouldn't feel it if it's that high of temperature it would burn off your nerve endings immediately and your body would go into shock but you give the illusion that they're that that's happening to them so their body reacts as though they think it's happening because your brain doesn't know it's not happening so you get burn marks yeah is that interesting does that make sense yeah we had uh there was a priest one time who was giving a uh he was doing a uh not a lecture what do you uh, uh, sermon yeah he's giving a sermon and one of the things that he used was there was a story of a guy who was working on a freight he was like working on these cars sure um in this train and he was working on one of the freezer cars because the freezer had went out okay um he ended up getting trapped in there after he fixed it hell no (laughs) <laughs> and he got stuck in there, wrote a last letter to his family. Well, when they found him, and I think it was on a weekend, so when they finally came and got him on Monday and realized that he'd been stuck in there, uh, they brought him and they said, the coroner report said that he died of hyperthermia. Mm. The only problem is, is that he really didn't fix the cooler because it wasn't on. Oh, so he didn't die. He did die. Oh. But when they did the autopsy, his body technically, he his, died his body, of hyperthermia. It but it wasn't it. on. But his body believed that. He was so convinced that he was going to die of hyperthermia and that the freezer was on that he literally froze himself to death. Put his body in a state that Jeez. it reacted in a state that it wouldn't hyperthermia. The brain is a powerful thing. That is insane. Yeah. So it really gives you a perspective of how strong a mentality can be mm-hmm. even physically exactly exactly but so then it cuts to a few years later um a lot of jaegers have gotten decommissioned there's still kaiju out there but it's just like they it you get them you get the sense that a lot of people have like kind of given up you know yeah and then um raleigh he's working in that same town that his, that he that his brother died in and he's building like these giant walls to like protect from them but then they see the, on like this footage that it took a Jaeger that attacked Sydney Australia like less than an hour or like less than five hours to break through this wall and then it got killed by um, the the, Aust- the Australian guys who who pilot uh striker is it striker eureka or eureka striker striker eureka i think yeah yeah which they're like the you know they're like the jocks essentially because we do meet them later but um idris elva's character uh marshall pentecost he shows up and offers raleigh like because he knows he's an experienced jaeger pilot he's like Come to, um, I'm, I'm putting together and fixing up the last few years we have 
is we're going to try and do a last stand thing and see if we can possibly close the breach so we never have any more kaiju coming. So come with me, and, you know, we'll do it. And he goes, okay. And they get there, and he meets Mako, who is, we find out, we think at first that she's Pentecost's assistant, or, like, maybe protege, but she's actually his adopted daughter, which we find out more about later. Yeah. But we, we see we see the Jaegers that we got. We got four. <laughs> which seems like, a, you know, maybe we could use some more. But, you know, we got what we got. Uh, but they fixed up um, Gypsy Danger. And they got Striker Eureka, which is piloted by a father and a son. The Australian guys. Yep. And then we got Cherno Alpha, which is the Russian Jaeger... That's like the only Mark One left because that's how well it was built. And Russia is awesome. And it apparently like protected Ru- Siberia for seven years or something, something, some crazy number like that. Just kind of funny. Yeah, it's oh. yeah. What do you mean? That it's set in Siberia. I would have thought it would have been somewhere else. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I th- if is Siberia close to the coast? Because like, if these things only come out of water, like... it might be. That would make sense. Um, and then Crimson Typhoon, which which is interesting, because it's actually, it's piloted by triplets. So it has three pilots, and it has three arms, and each one controls another arm. Which is... It's a thing I wish cool. they expanded on more. Cool, but definitely interesting and kind of weird. Yeah, because they released, they released some Pacific Rim comic books, like, spinoff series, like, about just random Jaeger pilots and all this stuff. Crimson Typhoon is one that I would have liked to have seen. Just, like, the logistics and, like, how, like, maybe how the scientist who built it figured out you could do that, you know? Yeah. It, it, and then I'd also like to see Cherno Alpha's stuff more. Yeah, I feel like it's... Something, well, I wouldn't mind seeing a live-action series, especially if Warner Brothers did, like, an HBO Max series yeah. that gave them the same budget that they give Lucasfilm and Star Trek Discovery. Exactly. I mean, Star Trek we are getting... I know you said you're not as excited, but we are getting a Netflix animated show. Which... That's very adult, so that could be good. I, I'm, 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 I'm gonna stay positive. It's not so much that I don't think it's gonna be positive. I just don't like the fact that we are going you wish it was for live something action. that was live action, and that's what gave it its signature beauty and intrigue, and made you feel more realistically into it. Well, maybe this will change your mind. I mean, like, because there's a lot of mech animes that like do really well, so maybe putting this universe because Neon Genesis Evangelion is basically Pacific Rim. I mean. I'm sure I'll like it. It just, really, for me, it's just that it started. Yeah. Like, It started it live first, action. It should continue. And it should yeah, continue that way. Otherwise, it's kind of just, you know, defeats the purpose a little bit. You know, Or not defeats yeah. the purpose. I understand just, what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Well, and it's like... I mean, I like the, the, the design of the Jaegers. They seem more approachable than, like, say, a Gundam. Because I don't know if anyone here has ever watched Gundam, but Gundam, it's like you sit in a pilot seat, and there's, like, joysticks and buttons, and somehow doing all that makes a robot's arm move and slash like a person. And it's a thing of, like, I could pilot a... If I, if I found someone to link up with, my like, link my brain with, I could pilot a Jaeger. Yeah. But, like, a, a Gundam, 
at my best, at my most intelligent, I would just be in a Gundam like, okay, give me five minutes and I still won't be able to figure this crap out, okay? <laughs> yeah, just so confused. Um, but so the whole thing is like, they're going to find him, they're going to find him a, a new co-pilot, someone he's drift compatible with, you know? Yeah, which he's not the most enthusiastic about for obvious reasons. He doesn't want another person to get in his head again. Yeah, because... Which is understandable. Well, I mean, you gotta realize, too, that everything his brother experienced was everything that he was a nightmare. felt. It was a nightmare. <laughs> You'd say it. It was a straight-up nightmare. <laughs> like, well, uh, and especially, it's like, where do you go from that? Because, I mean, your final thoughts can't be that good knowing you're going to die. I mean, clearly, like they say, he just started building a wall. And he was just living off of that. Like, just working for food. Because like, <laughs> I, I feel like it's a thing where he, like... It, he made the decision to go and save the boat. You know? So he feel he feels like it's his fault that his brother died. So yeah. this is, like, his own penance. Yeah. Yeah. But so, we get, they, there's like a lunch scene, and we find out the younger Australia guy's a dick. You know, there's not much, not much to say there. But, um, he talks to Mako, and, uh, learns that she has, like, in simulation, in Jaeger simulations, she has 51 drops and 51 kills. So it's like, okay, <laughs> You'll be fun to work with. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's like, well, why aren't you on the cadet list? And she's about to say, but um, they get interrupted because he starts, like, he's training with his other three candidate dudes, which he just destroys. Because they're, how they're testing is, like, they're fighting with these sticks, but the sticks are of, like, a length where you could use them either as bow staffs or, like, a sword. So right. it's a lot of, like, single hit, you get a point, like, that kind of fencing type stuff. But he's just beating the crap out of him real easy. And Mako's like... Like, she keeps, like, sighing. And he goes, why do you keep doing this disapproving thing? Isn't the, Aren't these the people you picked? And she goes, I'm not judging them. I'm judging you. You could have beaten them way earlier. And he's like, all right, can we give her a shot? Like, you get the sense of, like, all right, I'm going to beat you up then. <laughs> yeah, it's going to, like, put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Don't just... And Pentecost is like, no, we'll stick to the cadet list we have. And and he's like, oh, I see. You don't think your own... Uh, you don't think your own kid could stand up against me? And he goes, go. <laughs> so they have, like, a scene where they're fighting, and she actually beats him as well. Which is funny. And they're, like, almost equal, so it's fantastic. And he's like, all right, she's my partner. And he goes, nope. <laughs> but, but, um... Then before he's like, report here tomorrow at L eight hundred, and you'll find out who your drop, who your co-pilot is. And then the next day he gives Mako a shoe, like a half a shoe, or no, it's a it's a tiny shoe, it's a half of a set of shoes, but it's like a little girl's like red shoe, and we find out what that deals with later. Yeah. Yeah, but Which then is very upsetting. Well, it's, yeah, well, when we find out, oh, let, it really hurts. The emotions in this movie were very well mm -hmm. brought to life and did not feel synthetic. It, it no. felt Genuine. real and, like, 
genuine. Mm-hmm. But so he goes and he gets suited up and he and they're like, he hears over the loudspeaker, co-pilot on deck. And he's like, hey, I'm going to take the right side if you don't mind. And she comes in, why would I mind? And it's like, oh, you are my co-pilot. Okay. But then they try to like meld their minds and she has a nervous breakdown because she's like stuck. What you're supposed to do is let your memories flow and just like don't get stuck in a memory just like let it flow naturally and it'll be fine but she gets stuck in a memory which is her when she was a kid like i'd say maybe five and she's in japan and like a kaiju like crawdad crawdad crab monster is chasing her like chasing her like specifically and And it's obvious that it's killed, like, her family, and she's, like, hiding from it, and then it gets attacked by a Jaeger, but, like, during all this, she inadvertently turns on the, like, (laughs) the hand cannon of the mech, and, like, almost blows up everybody. (laughs) Yeah, which I was still thinking, they never really explained why it was specifically going for her, did they? What do you mean? The kaiju. Oh, well, because she was the only person there. And, like, mm, it's, it's, true. it's killing people, you know? Well, I just would have thought, you know, yeah. out of everything, you wouldn't go for the tiniest person if you're just going to cause a bunch of destruction just for fun. Yeah, I guess. Because it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to destroy your world, but this one puny little girl is running so far away. You know, yeah. I'd be like, I'm a massive monster. I have more important shit to do. Exactly. <laughs> But then they shut down the Jaeger and they're like, neither of you are going out when we have a mission. And it's like, all right, that's a decision. Because <laughs> they're like, you almost kill us all. And and he gets in a fight with like the Austral- the young Australian pilot dude. Kicks his ass. We can say that. <laughs> yeah. Because he like insults Mako and he's like, apologize to the woman. And it's like, it feels... I don't know. I, I I understand the movie was made in 2013, but I feel like if this movie was made now, the girl would kick his ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Definitely. I mean, that's what real life probably would have been. Well, like, I mean, he, I understand he has, like, he feels a connection to her, and he's, like, protecting her. Because I'm sure he feels like, oh, this is my new partner. I gotta keep her safe like I couldn't keep my brother safe. But it just feels weird, well, like, oh, she can clearly fight for herself, but let's have the brawny man fight for her, you know? Yeah, well, I think another part of it, too, is that he takes on almost like a brother role. Again, yeah. But it's the fact that his that they, their minds are melded. Yeah, yeah. Too. And so there are people who were, who were watch who, there are people who have talked about this movie, like, online and stuff, and they're like, oh, there's clearly a love interest there. And I'm like, no, they're partners. They're not, like, in love. Like, well, I mean, I wouldn't mind it, but why, why one battle? And it's like, oh, let's be Muchi Gucci. Yeah. It's I mean, like, like I yeah again I wouldn't have mind their romance but it's like it's not necessary like there's you know I can do without it exactly but um the other thing I've I've been missing seeing was we we meet the two scientists at this base Godlieb and Newton played by Charlie Day and um Newton is played by Charlie Day Godlieb is played by let me try Burn Gorman, which great name, uh, <laughs> creepy at that. Well, yeah. So Burn Gorman, he's like an English guy. He walks with a cane, um, and he's all about the math of it all. Was so, he English? I thought he was German. 
No, he says by Joe near the end of the movie. Oh, yeah, that's true. The actor might be German, but he's definitely... Well, no, because he was in Game of Thrones and he had the same English accent. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So, um... He, like... He's all about the math of it, so he's saying, like, oh, the next... He's like, this is... the." The time span between the first one and the second one was six months, and then it was three, and then it was this, and then it was this. And he goes, by the next time, there will be two, followed by three hours later, where it will be three, and then 20 minutes later, where it will be four, and then they'll just cover us. And it's like, okay. Meanwhile, the um, meanwhile Charlie Day's character, Newt, he he's, he's more a scientist as to do with the biology of the kaijus. Yeah. And he has the idea of like I want to see if I can think how they think and I want to I want to drift with a kaiju brain to see if maybe I can see what it sees, you know, which is a bad dangerously, idea. <laughs> dangerously yeah. close to Like you're talking about melding your mind with a monster. <laughs> like it might not be the best plan. <laughs> but then again, not a lot of people are pretty sane at that point because no. they're just so desperate to get answers mm-hmm. and whatever. Exactly. But he does, despite um, everyone saying he shouldn't, he makes up a rig and melds with its mind anyway. And then, like, he learns a bunch of stuff. Like, he figures out that, like, the DNA sequence of each kaiju are the same. So he's like, they're not, it's not a species, they're clones. You know? And, but when he see he drifts with the kaiju brain, he sees that there are aliens that are genetically engineering these kaijus and sending them through rifts. So he was right in that sense. So he tells Pentecost, and he's like, all right, you're going to go, and you're going to see this guy named Hannibal Chow on the kaiju black market, and you're going to talk with him about, and seeing if you can get a, if you can get a fresh kaiju brain. Because what these guys do is they go in and they, like, take all the parts and sell them. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, so while that's happening, um, and he's looking for them, we get a kaiju attack. And it's uh, Otachi and Leatherback. Which, Otachi is, like, this, this, like, weird, it's kind of a creepy crawly thing with, like, a tail that, like, grasps. And then Leatherback looks straight up just like a gorilla. (laughs) Which, I don't know, the I monsters the in here are, like, amazing and not yeah. always unsettling, but sometimes the more you look at them, the more unsettling they get. I think that's a del Toro effect, is <laughs> what that is. You know? Yeah. And I like all the concepts, too. So, like, they, they're like, okay, Striker Eureka, you're going to stay back and protect the city. You're going to be the last line of defense, because we need you, because you're a Mark V, so you're the only one who will be able to carry the payload bomb when we bomb the rift. And we'll have the other guys just fight fight the monsters. Uh, they get killed. They get super killed. Crimson Typhoon and um, Cherno Alpha. They, they put up a good fight. A decent enough fight. It's just when, when both the monsters start attacking. Because I feel like there's more of a... It's a difficulty of delay. Because I feel like with the, mo- with the robots fighting, there's maybe a bit of a delay. Whereas the monsters, it's just one-to-one. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's one of those... Yeah, I think it's one of those things. I think it's also one of those things that, too, that's a lot to have two people trying to control one already Mm -hmm. colossal-sized robot. And and they're older units as well. 
Yeah, so and and you can see it because I mean and that's one of the things that made Ant-Man so good. Yeah. The bigger something is, you're not going to be dashing across. Mm-hmm. You're going to get tired. Exactly. And while you may not feel the full effects due to the fact that it is only simulating the movement mm-hmm. of being in a why am I freaking blanking on the name? Smaller space, confined space. No, of the machines. The Jaegers. Yeah, well, being in a Jaeger and it is just being propelled by your movement and mimicking mm-hmm. it, it's still going to go slow. Exactly. And it's probably going to go slower than an organic being just for the mere fact that it is a huge piece of metal that mm-hmm. requires a bunch of thrusters in order to move. Exactly. And, yeah, so they get killed. One gets blown up while underwater and the other one gets its head crushed. So I'm like, oh, that could have that could have been better. Uh yeah, for them. Yeah. But then Striker Eureka, of course, disobeys orders and and was already on their way to attack the other two. But he doesn't even get really much fight in because, turns out, um, Leatherback can, like, emit an EMP out of its back. Which is a very awesome effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, that, and that's, the also, that's also a big thing where I'm like, oh, the, the Jaegers are at a disadvantage because you can kind of tell what they have at their disposal disposal and what they're capable of right on the forefront. Whereas like they're kind of going in blind against these things. Cause they've never seen them before. So like they didn't know that like Otachi can spit acid. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, I think one of the best parts though, cause it adds to the whole effect that, you know, you can't just run in blind and kind of mm-hmm. be like everything is gonna be okay we know what we're doing it really makes you <sighs> really makes you stop and think kind of like you know because i think that's what a lot of happens with a lot of people when you start getting ahead you get very very cocky mm-hmm. and as shown by them they got really really cocky as well oh yeah they all got super cocky and it's like they got so cocky, they got out of their cockpit and shot flares at the things, thinking that was going to do Jack. <laughs> and, you know, that's the thing. A lot of what makes enemies fall, even in real life, is their own arrogance. Yeah. And cockiness. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of funny that, you know, while they're on top, they wouldn't realize that, you know, the whole reason they won in the first place is for the mere fact that these the the kaiju were very cocky as well exactly so Mm i kind of i kind of like how taken aback they are and how they give them a very big weakness but each one is unique exactly because what's more terrifying than a being 357 feet in the air Mm -hmm. and a giant metal humanoid looking armor piece yeah also knowing that if your partner dies and you gotta try and stop you yourself can't from falling. Even use it, yeah. You can try, but it's probably gonna m- probably explode your mind mm-hmm. by overloading it. Exactly. And second off, that you have to worry about then acid, and if that doesn't kill you, what about the water around you? That'll probably be electrified by the machine going off. Exactly. So <laughs> it, you're kind of there's a lot of variables. Way. Yeah. But then they so they realize that um. Gypsy, its its core is nuclear, so the EMP didn't affect it. So they decide to send him out, and it's a it's an interesting thing of like, again they they saw what happened, so they know what they're up against, which is why Gypsy like 
he fights Leatherback and just goes to town on his ass. Like, he's, he's like, just tackling him, punching him in the face, hitting him with, like, storage containers, like, shooting him. <laughs> like, it's an awesome fight scene. Yeah. Yeah. But he, like, he ends up, like, shooting one of his arms off and then just shooting him so much that he freaking explodes. And it's, it's awesome. Like, again, me describing it is not doing it nearly enough justice. You have to visually see this crap. It's fantastic. Which is, like... Which is why, hopefully, if this hasn't intrigued you up into this point... Uh, if it has, please just go watch the freaking movie. movie. It yeah. is too amazing to not watch. Yeah. And it's fantastic. Visually, it's so stunning. Like, it's like trying to explain the Avengers to you. It just doesn't work how well the <laughs> visuals are. Yeah. Like when you look at Iron Man and you see that his armor is actually scratched up, which is something else I want to say. During these fight scenes... You can see the dents and the scratches. There are tiny things. Yeah. Tiny, tiny, mm. tiny little things that you would have never noticed. Nope at all until you look again and you're like they actually thought of that one of the things yeah that's what's so amazing because they didn't have to (laughs) yeah that one of the best things that i personally love about you know movies is when the special effects are so good but also when the team takes into consideration the smallest bits yeah like you can see the smallest wires breaking and snapping simultaneously after the damage yeah it's all in the details like every little detail every little scratch every little jagged piece of metal looks like you could actually go to the set and actually see a real jaeger jaeger or jaeger sorry it has a j in front of it but it's pronounced Jaeger yeah. with a Y. And mm-hmm. that is like the amazing of this movie. Uh, especially uh, taking something like that was something I noticed the other day and why I think I'll probably end up rewatching this movie several times. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I noticed while watching An Unexpected Journey the other day, uh, spoilers for that, but uh, the Goblin King scene. Yeah. When Gandalf slices his belly. And you can just see, like. Like if you look in the back behind him. You could see that one of the goblins grab his head and go like, "Oh what shit!" The fuck? Yeah, yeah, like, and that's something you don't typically notice. Mm-hmm. So, the the attention to detail in this just overall makes the movie so much better. It's really great. Truly. Mm-hmm. So, so then we got Newt, and he's he finds the 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 black market kaiju sales. And he's, like, nerding out over all this. And Hannibal Chow, played by Ron Perlman, who... Which, yay, Hellboy! Yay! He, play, he plays a gangster really well, you know? I feel like that's always kind of been his thing, though. It's Because he's in Sons of Anarchy, too, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he's the he's the head guy of the, of the biker club. Alien Isolation, he pulled... Or not Isolation, uh, Resurrection. Oh, he yeah! He really pulled off that glass this I style. forgot he was in the... I believe he's the one who falls back and does the awesome pistol shooting on the ledge too. I don't remember. I know the. There's I know the, the uh, the 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 guy with the dreads falls back and does okay, the pistol shooting because the guy with the dreads he has the pistols that come out of his sleeve. That's right. It was him. 
Yeah. But I could have seen Ron Perlman doing that. Yeah. And one, <laughs> he's got the Shades look in the second Blade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, I mean, he definitely pulls off this character and he looks shady. Yeah. But he does it in such a badass way that you're mm-hmm. like, it's kind of hard not to be like, I like I like his character. I like his style. He's awesome, man. He's also just a cool dude, like, his personal life. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's like, I need to get a kaiju brain. And he's like, all right, you do this, we'll do this, blah, blah, blah. But then when the kaiju attack happens, he's like, do we have a bunker? He's like, I have a bunker. Good luck. And, like, kicks him out. And Newt kind of, like, just goes to a public bunker. And then Otachi is looking for him while Gypsy's fighting Leatherback. So he's looking for him specifically. And I love it because the the citizens kind of throw him under the bus. They're like, he's looking for him. <laughs> I mean, I don't necessarily blame him. Well, it's his fault as well because he was like, it knows we're here. It knows I'm here. And they're like, it knows we're all here. And he goes, no, it's looking for me. So the woman immediately goes, they're looking for the little guy. <laughs> Which is kind of like, oh boy. Yeah. But then, like, the thing comes down and the monster's right in front of him and its tongue comes out and it looks so bizarre. And, like, it almost grabs him, but then Gypsy shows up walking towards him in the city holding a freaking ocean liner and then flips it up like it's a sword. And I'm like, the heck is happening? This is great. There's so many... WTF moments. There's so many choices. It's like, (laughs) it's just so great. Yeah. But he's fighting him with it and then it knocks the sword away and the the ship away. And the ship gets stuck like in between two skyscrapers, like direct center. (laughs) And it's so weird looking. (laughs) Because it's like, who the heck is going to do? Because this is what we always think. And we thought this also in the second one after like the city fights happen and stuff like that. What construction company is paying for this shit? Well, it's also like in the second one, which when we talk about it, there is a couple scenes where they cause purposeful damage just to look stylish. It's like, do you realize who the hell is going to pay for Mm -hmm. this? Is this coming out of my tax dollars? Well, they did. They did like an estimate. Apparently it's over $100 billion worth of damage in the first Avengers. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, who pays for that? And these guys were saying, like, well, probably Iron Man. I mean, he's in the public eye. And they're like, do you think they'd sue Iron Man? I wouldn't, probably. And it's like, well, they talk about, like, that's the thing. Would you sue a superhero who saved your life? Like, say Hulk Hulk is fighting Abomination and they crush your car. (laughs) You know, would you sue the Hulk? I mean, people like, would. That's the thing. It's oh, like, in reality, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing with Civil War. Like when she slaps Tony, mm-hmm. it's like okay, but again, that's not his fault. No, he did not. Well, it isn't. It isn't. What it's he was inadvertently trying, his fault. It was inadvertently. He was trying to make something better because he knew a bigger enemy was coming. Exactly. But the fact still stands that mm-hmm. there was something that. Uh, cause death and destruction, that is not his fault. Exactly. It's totally not. So it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, you can't blame them in that situation, but you could definitely blame the people who purposely were trying to make stylized intros. Like how many people were in those buildings mm-hmm. that you didn't even know about? Exactly. Exactly. 
I mean, they did say that the city evacuated to bunkers, so I'm assuming no one. Because later, a fist well, goes through the wall and hits like a little, <laughs> a little freaking um, pendulum thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could see that. I just also think about... Like, that's the same thing in the second one. They're like, everyone has been evacuated into bunkers. It, I just think of it, too, as, but you never know who may have gotten left behind. Fair. That's fair. And I mean, that is digging in depth and reaching, but it is something that is still it's something you important. Think. You have to think about, because there are plenty of people who might not have evacuated. Yeah. Because, you know, you always see that one person who's like got trampled or got knocked out or somebody yeah. was taking a shit and just <laughs> assumed that everybody was going in a panic but didn't hear any alarms or anything like that exactly <clears throat> so so it's fight he's fighting otachi they figure out to like because the, they're having an issue with the tail that keeps attacking them they figure out to release like cryo they, they release the coolant system in their jaeger and they freeze the tail and just punch it off which is very smart but then Otachi kind of, like, crawls under him, spits acid. They dodge it, but it, like, pulls him down and, like, gets on top of him. And then reveals that it has wings. And it just starts flying. Just continuously upwards. So I guess the plan is gonna go full atmosphere and just drop. Which, you know, smart plan. If you figure out you can't, like, take him one-on-one. But Take him to where they have no... Or as Obi-Wan would say. The high ground! Exactly. Exactly. But then uh, we get a perfect example in film school as what you would call an ex machina, which an ex machina, for anyone who doesn't know, is something is a device in film that shows up at the last minute to save the day, i.e. <laughs> when they reveal that this whole time they've had a retractable sword in their arm. <laughs> this whole time? You couldn't have used it earlier? <laughs> And we find out later they have two, one in each arm. And it's like, why are you waiting until just now? <laughs> yeah, like, you could have a... Uh... Does it cost money to use? Like, what's the what's the deal? I mean, I almost feel like it's one of those things, like, when you're playing Bioshock or something, and you're like, oh. Oh, right, I do have that power. I do, I do have, like, a whole arsenal of weapons yeah. and other powers that I could use. Exactly. <laughs> but they use it and freaking cut it in half. And then they kind of free fall, but they're able to, like, control their descent a little and you know they're fine so then um we cut to newt and he's with hannibal at the um at otachi's like where otachi died and they're like you know digging through it you know harvesting stuff uh and then the guys inside find out uh otachi was pregnant (laughs) interesting but the thing comes out and like eats some people but then passes out and hannibal chan's like I knew it by looking at him. Its lungs weren't fully developed, and the umbilical cords are wrapped around its neck. It was only going to survive for one minute, and he throws a knife at the nose, and he goes, see, I knew it. And he pulls the knife out, and as he's pulling it out, the thing (laughs) eats him. (laughs) Which, we were sitting there the whole time like, don't do it, don't do it. Yeah, you moron, moron, moron. You are going to piss it off, and it's going to instinctively reflex if it's still alive, partially. Exactly. Yeah. But his shoe flies off, and we find in an end credits scene that Ron Perlman's character cuts himself out and goes, where is my goddamn shoe? (laughs) Which is like... It's a great line. It's a great line. That's your first concern. Yeah. Not that, how am I alive? 
Well, it's a baby. It probably didn't have much teeth, so not a lot of chewing got done. But they they get the they get they get the baby's brain, and Newt's gonna like meld with it, but uh, Godly comes by and he goes like, "No, we'll do it together." And he's like, "What? Yeah, the Jaeger pilots do it together. We'll do it together too." And he's like, "Are you serious? You do that for me?" Yes, of course. And he and he's like, "Then say it with me, brother. Let's get this shit done." And he goes, he like goes for a high five, and Godly just slaps his hand a bunch and goes, "By Joe, we will get it done." And it's like, you two are just different people. <laughs> yeah, very much. Yeah, but they meld with the brain, and then we cut to after um. They they after they get back, um, Raleigh and. Mako. They're like, the the you know people are cheering whatever, but then they're like we got to start getting prepared for the next one. So let's repair both the Jaegers and, you know, just you know figure out what we're gonna do, and we find out that, Pentecost, he has cancer from the radiation from because he used to be a Jaeger pilot and we find out he's the Jaeger pilot that, saved Mako, and then he adopted her, and that's and that's how it happened. I guess. Which is super sad. Yeah, because we do hear that he was like a great pilot, but it's like, why isn't he piloting? Oh, because piloting one again will probably kill him. But because the Australian guys, the dad, his arm got broke during the battle. So Pentecost is going to take over because they're carrying the payload and they're going to bring a bomb to the to the rift. And that's where we get the awesome Idris Elba speech in regards to canceling the apocalypse, as he puts it. And it's awesome. He's good at giving speeches. <laughs> uh, that is one thing I really want to say. Yeah. They must have taken speech class. Yes, yeah, This whole damn monologue is like syndrome. Like, yeah. Jason at Lee's... the end of our hope. <laughs> it's like a whole Jason Lee, like, but in the best way. Mm-hmm. So it is great. It's fantastic. So they all, they go, and they're going underwater to the rift. Um, Gypsy's just kind of, like, gonna, you know, do some protection work while Striker, you know, unloads the payload. But when they get there, they find, Newt and Gottlieb find out that it's not gonna work because you need a DNA coding to get through the rift, otherwise the bomb's gonna get set back. So they need to make the rift think they're a kaiju and while they're figuring this out bam we get more kaijus um raja and skunner i think are the two but then you know they're fighting them gypsy gets effed up (laughs) very yeah because they're fighting them and then like it like breaks one of their faces and the one that like is swimming like a shark swims towards him and he pulls out the sword and just holds it up and it swims through it it's so satisfying oh <laughs> and the blue blood is just great like this yeah whoever did the special effects team i'm in love with all it's of fantastic. you fantastic like the, the whole way it just flows like natural fluid is like oh my god well it looks like because they say it's like radiation that kills fish and birds like oil spills so it moves like oil yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. But then we get because all the all the kaiju's we've neglected to mention all of them have categories like hurricanes or tornadoes. 
And there's nothing. There's been nothing bigger than a Category 4. So while he's fighting these two, uh, a third one pops up, and it's a Category 5. Frickin' massive. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. So... Uh, Striker Eureka starts fighting it. I used air quotes, you can't see visually, because uh, they kind of get their ass kicked. <laughs> and kind of is an understatement. Yeah. But after he, like... But they're fighting it, and they're actually, like, doing better. But then it calls uh, the other one to come and help it, and Gypsy can't get there in time because it's literally... He has one arm. He's using it as a crutch because his leg is also effed. <laughs> so it's like, what the heck are we going to do? But as those things, like, start closing in on Stryker, we find out that the payload, the bomb, it's jammed. So it's not going to be able to come off. So they decide to suicide it and just destroy themselves and the other two kaiju. Very noble work. Um, But they're like, wait, so how are we going to blow it up then? Uh, They're like, oh, we're going to have Gypsy. Gypsy has a nuclear reactor core. We're just going to overload the core. Which will work. But it sucks because Gypsy's gone, you know? Yeah. It happens. But they're ta- they, they start taking an arm with them so it'll think that they're kaijus. But then the big Category 5 shows up and starts attacking them again. They, like, stab it and, like, make the jet turbine engine that it has in the front, like, just burn a hole through it. And they carry it with it through this dimension. Mako gets knocked out. So he ejects her, to which I'm like, they've had ejection pods this whole dang time. No one ever thought to use them when they were dying. Like, I mean, you know what all, I mean? In like, all fairness, it's probably the last thing you're thinking about. But you would think, in that moment. But like, you think during a calm time they'd be like, oh right. Or maybe they would have set up like a failsafe, like automatic ejection type situation or something that reminds them escape available like i just thought of this strike eureka they both blow themselves up i feel like one of them could have maybe gotten no because the blast radius but still like you know what i mean like yeah but she gets out and he kind of just falls activates the reactor the aliens are like right in front of it and they make like a face like oh god (laughs) but then he shoots himself out uh it blows up and it closes the rift. So then she gets out of her pod, because she's fine, and swims towards his, because he's unconscious. She's like, you know, giving him chest compressions. And he's like, I'm fine. <laughs> and then it kind of just ends with that, because they, like, close the rift. So they won the war. Hooray! Last minute ditch effort. No, no Jaegers left, but they did it anyway. Woohoo. You know? And that's... That's our movie. Which, that was a great time. That's an understatement. I, I really love the movie. I really love that film. It's it's so good. And I was excited when we got a sequel. And then I saw it. Well, <laughs> we'll talk about that next week. Well, for you guys, it's next week. We're talking about it in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to break the illusion. We don't uh, record these a, a week at a time. <laughs> No, there's not enough time. Not enough time in our lives. <laughs> it's easier to mass produce them. And then you guys get quality content at the same time, all simultaneously. When our heads are not up our asses because we forgot. Yeah. And we also get to sleep more. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Pacific Rim, what would you scale 1 to 10? What are we giving this film? 
I'd say 9.7. I agree with that. I go 9.8, personally. It's a nearly perfect film. I, I, I can't point out, like, a flaw... No, but, but I no know it's not perfect. perfect because yeah. there there are small things that you could think of. I mean, some of the things like you know, not using their weapon arsenals are just small things yeah. like you would forget. There's a few but you feel like they'd know. There's a yeah, and again, I feel like our point of view is a little askew because you know we watch movies a lot, so we think about these kind of things. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those things though that is just natural by nature, so yeah. it's not something that you can. It's perfect. a muscle memory, you know. Well, also, I mean, naturally, you're probably not going to realize that if you're being attacked by a bear, that you may have a second gun down below. Yeah, if I you, guess. If you're, unless if you're trained for such a thing. Yeah, unless you have the mental mindset that I need to be prepared. But when adrenaline kicks in, the world doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Because at that point, you're in a full panic. Yeah, you're in fight or flight or freeze. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, in some cases it works, in some cases it doesn't. Because of the... Mm-hmm protagonist and the hero always was able to reach for their weapon there wouldn't be a movie exactly it'd be too easy mm-hmm. so near perfect yeah um i at, definitely will be watching this multiple times throughout my life as a general movie though i give this a 10 out of 10 because it Fair. is a fun general movie with engaging mm-hmm. stuff that does not take you out of the action every scene is built to absolute smooth per- perfection and paste exactly and visually entices you into the world such as avatar did yeah exactly so it was directed by Guillermo del toro uh and that's that's pacific rim i guess yeah so fun times um we will bring you guys uh the next we will talk about its sequel we... pacific rim uprising next week and on top of that we will also uh, give you a great month of picks for kaiju movies. Yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not saying yet, but uh, no, we got some good stuff and two months of kaiju picks. Yes, because we got five Wednesdays this month and four next month, right? Yep. Cool. Cool. So, cool. Thought that if you guys haven't checked out our Instagram, just go to Film Nerds Hour or Nerds Hour. Yeah. Check out the um, Facebook page. Get connected with our community over there, which is called Film Nerds Hour. YouTube. Um, YouTube, we also have the podcast up there, and then it uploads simultaneously to Spotify when we upload on Anchor, so wherever you guys are listening to. Um, yeah. If you're not listening to it on Anchor, Spotify, or YouTube, um, thank you, as Mr. Creepypasta would say, for entering this telekinetic broadcast or something like that. I guess, sure, why not? But uh, if you're not listening to it on any of these resources, also tell your friends or whoever uh, you're listening to this on that it should not be there. Yeah, tell that them, is plagiarism. Yeah, tell them where they can listen to it legally. And if there is a platform you would like us to be on, uh, email us at... Uh, nerdshour.com. Or, or, I mean, at nerdshour at gmail.com. Yeah, we'll try our best to get on there. So, thank you all for listening. And we will uh, hear you next week. Yeah, he's been Noah Sweeter. And he's been the thing of Shoemaker. Bye-bye. See you later.